Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1726. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in Cornelius, North Carolina, with a very special guest by the name of Brian Barr. Brian, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. I got my five-point helmet on and harness on and a helmet, too. Yeah, good. Yeah, don't put a five-point helmet on. That might do something strange to your head. It would hurt. I'm glad you're prepared for our, our call today. We'll have some fun. Now, before I properly introduce you, would you tell us one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you? I own a train. A train? Like what kind of train? Like a train. Like a real train? A real, uh, it's real. It's a real train. It's a real amusement park train, but I own a train. Really? An amusement? So is it one of those trains that's like a certain scale, but kids could sit in it and goes around a track? Exactly. It was made by King's Manufacturing in Michigan uh, in about 1954 or five. We found it when we were out treasure hunting one day. Uh, it had been an amusement park in Raleigh. Wow. Well, do you set it up and take all the neighbor kids for a train ride? Well, that's the goal. My buddy and I bought it. Uh, we had been out treasure hunting, looking for gas and oil signage. This guy had it and uh, we had to have it. it. It wasn't very safe. It's on a round circular track. It runs off a three-phase 220-volt motor. I guess it was okay to electrocute kids in the 50s. <laughs> sure. We were tougher back then. It much. And um, so we've got it all blown apart and we're going to paint it up like the old Santa Fe War Bonnet special and do just that. Take it to events and have some fun with it. Oh, wow. Well, this sounds like fun. I just saw a guy the other day on the internet that had one of those. He set up a track around his whole house and uh, was riding the whole thing. So that's pretty cool. I think you're the first guy on this show that's had a train. So <laughs> there you go. There's always first here on Cars. Yeah. Let me give you a proper introduction and we're going to dive into your life. Brian Barr is the classic curator of Foreign Cars Charlotte, part of the Paramount Auto Group. They source and sell a selection of vintage and classic motor cars, including new motor cars from Ferrari, Aston Martin, Bentley, Porsche, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, and many others. Brian raced in amateur and vintage events and worked in brand management and event marketing for many years. Brian is co-author of two books, Barn Fine Road Trip and Barn Fine Road Trip Route 66, along with past Cars Yeah guests Tom Cotter and Michael Allen Ross. You'll remember those guys. And he is a contributing reporter to Sports Car Market Magazine and SportsCarDigest.com. He's the former executive director of the Pinehurst and Trump National Concord Elegance and Concord judge at the Radnor Hunt and the Palm Event Concord, to name a few. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Brian, but first a word from our sponsors. They're the folks that make this show possible, so give them a listen. Keep your seatbelts on. We'll be right back. Maybe we'll be riding in a train. We'll see. You've heard me talk about Covercraft here on Cars Yes since I began bringing you inspiring automotive enthusiasts over six years ago. Covercraft is a company I've trusted to protect my vehicles since I was in high school. But did you know they've been in business longer than that? Covercraft was founded in 1965. You don't stay in business for over 55 years without providing your customers with superior quality, innovative solutions, and a massive breadth of selections and categories when it comes to protection. Their custom-fit car covers are just the start. Covercraft offers covers for cars, trucks, ATVs, boats, outdoor furniture, seats, trunk, floors, 
dashes, masks for the front of your rides, and a whole lot more. And here's something special just for you from me. Use the code yeah 120 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code yeah 120 that's Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. With all the time, effort, and money you've put into your classic vehicles, do you know how much you would receive if yours was stolen, damaged, or totaled in an accident or a fire? Your regular auto insurance carriers won't tell you until after the claim, and more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With an agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you'll get with an agreed value policy. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love. Tell them Mark Green at Cars Yeah sent you. That's American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, folks just like you and me. All right, Brian, we are back. And as we continue on this journey that I'm going to call your life, I would love for you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. So I usually say take the wheel, but what do you take when you're riding, driving a train? Take the take the throttle. The throttle. There you go. Take that train throttle. It steers itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Of course, it's on a track. Duh. All right. Well, why don't you share one of these uh, mantras with us so I can get my foot out of my mouth? Well, it, it's from a hero of mine who I had the pleasure of working with later in life or with his son in particular uh, when I was in IndyCar, Mario Andretti. And um, he said, do it no matter what. If you believe in it, it's something very honorable. If somebody around you or your family doesn't understand it, it's their problem. But if you have a passion for it and an honest passion, just do it. Uh, you know, this is perfect for cars. Yeah, you must be a listener because uh, <laughs> because it's a perfect uh, explanation for what Cars Yeah is all about and all these inspiring automotive enthusiasts that I've had on my show. Now, you've done a lot of unique things, but it always seems to be funneled down the car track. I got that track in there, didn't I? There you go. So tell us how that has incorporated into your life and all the different things that you do. So I've uh, been a lifelong car guy and got into this side of the business. Had you know, grown up. Well, I had two careers. In my car career, I came into motorsports through the agency side of it. Eventually, had my small uh, small agency and just found myself gravitating towards the collector car business and in the hobby, which is how I ended up here at Foreign Cars Charlotte as the curator. We started this business in the pandemic. Oh, you're brave souls. Yeah, I, I, some other people have used different words, but yes, <laughs> we're, we're very brave. Great ownership, wonderful companies. You, you, we have a lot of different brands and it's just fun. We make people's dreams come true, whether it's, you know, a 79 Camaro or it's a, you know, a used Ferrari or a you know, vintage four by four. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll tell the listeners here, we're, so we're sitting in the showroom here with a bunch of very cool cars in the back. I see an old Blazer and a Camaro and a 356 Porsche and a Ferrari and Cobra. I mean, there's all these different things there. Tell our listeners more about 
being the classic curator at Foreign Car Charlotte, but also what got you guys wild on the idea of, you know what, we're in the middle of a pandemic, things are crazy, it's an election year, why don't we start a car business? passion for the yeah. hobby. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what it really boils down to. Our owner is uh, a fantastic gentleman, uh, Mr. Yon, collector himself, takes cars to, to Concours, has a wonderful collection. And, and they had started to buy and sell some of these. And we thought a Charlotte location, he did, thought a Charlotte location was uh, a good idea. A friend of mine was working with him at the time. Uh, we have a Ferrari challenge team. He manages the Ferrari challenge team. Told me they were thinking about doing this. And next thing I knew, here I was. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your role there. When I hear the word curator, I typically think of somebody who's managing a collection for vehicles. I've had curators not only of very big museums like LeMay, which is down the street from me, or Peterson, or all the other wonderful museums I've had on my show, but also private collections of cars. Being the classic, you don't typically think of that in a classic car dealership of having someone who's a curator. It kind of puts you another level above, it sounds like. We're very selective on what we we sell. We have a nice mix of things from MGBs to Challenge Stradale Ferraris. And our, we pride ourselves that our cars are in excellent condition, running, driving. Uh, we own most of our inventory, so we're not uh, a consignment shop, although we do some consignments. Our goal is to have very nice, high quality drivers, if not concourse level cars for folks. So we're kind of building our, and I'm curating this collection with a little bit of everything in it. And but they are for sale. Well, let's talk about launching a business during a pandemic. Although it seems like a lot of businesses have found a way to change the way they operate so that people don't have to come and see their cars. They have all these people now across the country that can come and inspect cars, look at cars. So you have a sense of confidence of what you're buying because the old days of buying, let's say, a classic off eBay and it shows up and you go, that's not the car in the pictures right, exactly. that I saw. <laughs> you know, I got really lucky with my, my collectible. I have a 87 Turbo that most people listening know is my orange crush and I found that on eBay. I lucked out because when it showed up, it was like it was even better than I thought it was going to be. But I've had many friends who bought cars off eBay and I won't want to pick on them, but maybe Craigslist or other cars just from other places. And they show up and you kind of go, wait a minute. And it's like uh, seeing a supermodel at the coffee shop. She doesn't look quite the same as she did or he on the pages of Vogue or wherever they might appear. <laughs> so, so how has it gone for you guys so far? And how have you seen the market change in this very short time period that you've been in business? And I have a lot of friends in this business. It's a close-knit community, and everybody has had a very robust business during this time, which really surprised us. Our business is solid. A lot of our people are finding cars on the internet. Technology becomes a big, big part of it. Uh, people do pre-purchase inspections or hire appraisers. We're completely transparent. I welcome those guys. They can go in our shop, inspect the cars. But I use a, there's an app that we use at the dealership, and I also use my phone. And I do a lot of video walkarounds and startups and drives for people to try and make it as an in-person experience as you as you can. The vast majority of the cars are you know, sold through the internet or somebody sees it and calls. What's the app that you're using? It's called SnapSell. SnapSell. Okay, very cool. And how does it work? So it's part of our CRM system here throughout the dealership. And you log in and you can put the client's name in before or after. And you can like do stop motion. So you can do a video of it and pause it and go and take another video from a different angle and pause it. And, and then you put it all together with a little message. I usually, usually use a little video message in the back and uh, you hit send and it 
goes on its way. And then you can store it. Uh, and if you didn't personalize it, you can actually duplicate it and use it again. I've done one for every piece of inventory just so I have it. Oh, nice. Very cool. Well, I think this is a testament to those of us who love classic cars that even when things are tough, times are different, bad. I've got some other expletives that I <laughs> want to say uh, about 2020. Thanks to my uh, listener, Chris, who always catches any uh, four-letter words that slip through. Good morning, Chris. He listens every day. <laughs> So thank you for that. The thriving passion for cars continued. It still goes on. And the other thing I've heard from many of my guests who sell car parts and so forth, it's been a stellar year because people are stuck at home. So they go out in the garage. They have fun. I mean, we're going to take care of our cars no matter what. It's like insurance. You're not going to not pay your insurance to protect your vehicle because these are not only beloved things, but in many cases, they're assets because they have value. Yes. And that, maybe that's another piece of this. People are looking at, you know, the market. It's been kind of goofy. It's pretty robust today as we record this show, but you never know. But if you can park an asset in the garage and kind of look at it, um, you think, well, okay, there's always a little chunk of money there. It might go up or down, but at least it's something I can touch and feel and drive and have fun with. We sold the 71 Daytona, and that's exactly what the gentleman said to me. He goes, Brian, I'm parking money. Parking money. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because I've had so many dealers, people that sell cars like you, always warn people, don't buy a car because you think it'll go up. Unless you're a professional, you just don't know. And you might be stuck with something that you start to not like too much because you're like, darn that thing. I overpaid for that. So that's another piece of it. But a Daytona? Uh, it's always going to probably be worth a certain amount, right? Exactly. They they rise and fall. There's an ebb and flow. But you need to buy what you love. You know, is because if you don't love it, you're you know, why have it? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why have it? Well, I always like to talk about a challenge that people face. Now, you've been in a lot of different industries. No doubt, in many of those industries, you've met up with some challenges, maybe one or two or so forth. But I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit and share a story. But more importantly, what was that lesson learned? Uh, how did you work your way through that so that it ended up being a positive experience, even if it might have been a little painful at the time? Well, as I had mentioned, I had, had two careers, one in the automotive business, one in the distilled spirits industry. And I worked for Seagram for many, many years at the beginning of my career, uh, almost 16 years. Wow. And they were... The family was literally divesting of the brands. Uh, Diageo was buying it. I was the category director for uh, uh, tequilas. And my project at the time had been Margaritaville Tequila. Met Jimmy Buffett, all that fun stuff. Very cool. But Margarita would have taken a backville would have taken a back seat to their brand, Cuervo, largest tequila in the world. And I decided that it was time for a change. And I loved cars, but I had no idea how I would get in the business. Didn't have transferable skills. I had tried before. I had applied and tried to get hired by Tom Cotter's Cotter Communications about seven or eight years before, and he didn't hire me. And then we ironically end up great friends, which was just wonderful. Yeah. But I joined this group called the Five O'Clock Club. I was living in New York City in Manhattan, a car guy in Manhattan. Very difficult. Yep. And... I really learned that I had a lot of transferable skills in what I had done over the years in the liquor business and branding and marketing and positioning. And they suggested that I go find and take have some informational interviews and see if it's even a business you want to get into. And I'm a big motorsports fan. I grew up in Watkins Glen, New York. So I was always at Formula One races and everything. So in this, what was known as the Seagram's building at 375 Park Avenue in Manhattan, the Mies van der Rohe building, beautiful building. Ooh. I was working in, at a different office at 803rd was the NASCAR New York offices. So I wiggled my way in there, 
met some of the directors there, talked to them. And the next thing I know, they actually gave me tickets to go to the Glen Cup race, which was great. And then by that fall, I was working in escort car in category management, managing the Anheuser-Busch account and Coca-Cola and made a ton of great friends. Uh, one of my clients was AOL. They recruited me uh, to join an agency down here and manage their motorsports business and just went on for there. So I, I, I really thought I was like, what am I going to do? I'm 16 years in this business. I don't know anything else. There's no place to go. There's going to be fewer jobs. Oh my God. And I learned that you know, you have to take a fresh step, you know, know what you're good at and it don't necessarily label it in terms of an industry, you know, build a skill set. And I turned my, my, well, my boss at the time was who was the CMO looked at me and said, you're going to turn your passion into your profession. Yeah. You know, this is really important. I have many people who reach out to me who are listeners that ask that same question. I work in real estate, but and I'm successful, but I don't really like it. I've even had physicians you know, I don't, I don't like being a doctor anymore. I want to, I love cars. I live for the weekend. I live for retirement. I might not live that long. I better get into this now. And they're always asking, how do I do it? And what you just shared there is a really golden nugget for us, Brian. And that is start to network, start to reach out. Those experimental interviews, as you called them, were wonderful idea. And then you're right. Don't think of the fact that you're in that industry. Think of your skill sets within that industry and then how they apply to the automotive industry. And boom, you land in a position and, you know, there you go. I, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. And I'm really grateful you shared it because sometimes I'll be talking with people on the phone to try to help them. And I'll be thinking, okay, how can we take that and apply it to cars? But I have the advantage of interviewing 1,726 people. So I've heard a lot of stories <laughs> and a lot of examples of the car industry and how many facets there are in there. So you listeners out there that wish you were having fun like Brian and I and all the past guests here on Cars Out, there's opportunities. There are opportunities for you out there. You just have to seek them out, start talking to people. Uh, I always say too, join car clubs and start meeting people. Go to events. You got to get out there. Go to tracks. Talk to people. Walk up to people. Get really comfortable with that uncomfortableness. If it is for you, if it's hard to talk to people, get used to it because they'll see that passion. And like with Brian, they'll go, you know what? You're turning your passion into your profession. So boom, there you go. Nice story. Thank you. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. You're welcome. When we come back, we're going to talk about your personal passion for cars. So keep those five point harnesses on and uh, we're out of the train and in the car. So we're having fun. We'll be right back. Let's step away from the conversation and talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah. America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. Among these nonprofits is TechForce Foundation, a great organization dedicated to solving the technician shortage that threatens the transportation industry today. By providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession, TechForce is bringing bright young students into the auto, diesel, aviation, marine, motorcycle, motorsports, and restoration worlds. To date, they've awarded more than $10 million in scholarships and grants to tech students. And in times like these, I don't have to tell you how essential those techs are, keeping our delivery and emergency vehicles running and keeping America rolling. To learn more about TechForce or to make a donation to this cause, visit www.techforce.org. You'll be glad you did. 
What do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're Kevin Buckler, racer and the racing group's team owner, you create Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, and a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Redline. It's a rich and complex blend delivering a taste of ripe blackberries, black cherry licorice, and a hint of toasty oak. An added very cool option is that this features the world's first interactive wine label. That's right. When you pour the wine, the three-dimensional tachometer actually hits the red line. It's incredible. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, when you go to checkout, you'll get $10 off any purchase of wines from the Racing Series. The wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH checkoff for $10 off of your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYEAH to save $10 today. Cheers! All right, we are back. I'd love for you to share a story that uh, instigated this passion you have for cars. Was there a moment when you look back on your life and you said, you know what, I'm a car guy, that's what I want to be? There's a couple moments. I always grew up, you know, my, my parents are wonderful. My dad was a school administrator. My mom was a pharmacist. And I wouldn't really engage or read as a little kid. So if I did something correctly and did my homework or would do my schoolwork, mom would bring home a matchbox Uh, from the pharmacy. And that little green Ferrari matchbox, which is that the Luso? The Luso, right. I've got two of them, and I've got the boxes. Oh, my. Well, you know what they're worth. <laughs> I have I have no idea because it really doesn't matter to me. It's not like I'm going to let them go. I still have all my Matchbox cars, including the first one my dad ever bought me was the red Jaguar Coupe, the XKE. Mm-hmm. That was the first car he bought me. We used to go to the hardware store. I was probably five years old. This is mid-60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would let me pick one out. And I remember back then they were like a quarter. I mean, mm-hmm. really, but that was a lot of money for a little kid. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So carry on. Sorry. But when you said green, I went, it's got to be, the, be the Luso with the wire wheels. Yep. I love that. I, yeah, I wish I still had it, uh, but I don't. But I was always building models and they found that that digging into road and track and motor trend and the stats and reading the stats. And I, I mean, I have all this time I thought was useless knowledge now, which is perfect for this business, stuck in my head. But that's how they got me to read and get excited about things. And I just my dad was kind of into cars. He had, you know, 49 Ford. It was kind of mildly hot rotted. But, you know, when kids came along, we had big old sedans and such. But where my passion for Porsches came into, because I'm a, I'm a Porsche-holic, Yay. there's no doubt. <laughs> so I've got, I have an 86, 944 turbo. I had a three liter RSR clone. I raced fun stuff. A friend of mine's dad had a 356. And the first time I laid eyes on it, I fell in love and I became a dyed in the wool 
Porsche guy. Yeah. I remember riding around in that and I convinced my parents who were a loyal Ford family to trade in the 69 LTD on a 73 Audi. We were at the car show. I'm like, dad, we need that 911. We need a 911. It's like, doesn't work, but they got an Audi 100 LS, arguably a poor choice. I still think it's a cool <laughs> car, but that's when, <laughs> when you can influence your, your, your family car purchase at 12. Yeah. You, <laughs> Yeah, and you're back doing the same thing, I, although not influencing people to buy things they may not or shouldn't buy. You know, I'm laughing because my parents did the same thing. I don't know if I was the influence, but I know I was the guy barking about cars. They bought a 100 LS. I think it was the worst car we ever owned. That thing was so bad, and it broke down on our way from San Diego to Tucson in the middle of the desert. We ended up having Thanksgiving in Yuma at a VW <laughs> Audi dealership. But I'll tell you something fun happened there. I was wandering around. I had a Carmen Ghia at the time. I think I was, well, I was 16, 17. And I found a set of deep dish chrome VW rims in their parts department that had been sitting up on a shelf, all dusty. And the guy said, nobody wants those. And he gave them to me. And so my dad said, well, that's nice. But where are we going to put them? The trunk's full. And so we put them on the floor and stacked them between my sister and I in the back. And we, my sister was angry. She goes, I got to ride with my feet on these things all the way. Uh, you know, cause that was an eight, nine hour drive from San Diego to Tucson, but I ended up with really cool rims. So I kind of thank the Audi for that. Yeah. And my parents didn't buy one. They bought two. Oh, they had double trouble. Well, was the car okay? Cause this car, uh, the only car that my dad said was ever worse was a Pontiac Le Mans that he called a Le Mans lemon mm-hmm. and that car was terrible too my mother drove audis right up until the last one she purchased which was a 2014 from oh, wow. 1973 well brave lady yeah because they they had some challenges back in the day they're they're great cars now but uh yes well they had that dog leg you know gearbox in the early 100 ls's yeah. and my dad was trying to show off for a buddy of his Uh-oh. and thought he was in first gear when he went to zip out and backed right into the guy behind him oh ouch yeah it had that little goofy gearbox well that's a pretty funny story quite an influence you had on your parents as a, as a little kid. That's pretty impressive. Well, what was your first really special vehicle? My very indulgent father bought me a seven-year-old Datsun 240Z when I was a junior in high school. Wow. And it was that lime green. Oh, nice. And it had- yeah, it had all the period stuff on it. The, you know, the BRE style chin spoiler and rear spoiler louvers, you know, yeah. all the crazy, you know, stuff that you would do to them at the, at the time. Appliance mag wheels, chrome mag wheels, like we used to run on them, the five slot things. Yeah. It's just a great, 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 great fun car. So he was a school administrator. I used to take it and park it in the teacher's parking lot. <laughs> so here I am in this small town of Horseheads, New York, outside. Watkins Glen in a lime green Datsun. And I realized later why he bought it because he always knew where I was. Ah. Everybody in that town knew where that car was and he would get the phone calls. Hey, Brian was at McDonald's. Brian was at Pizza Hut. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Well, those were cool cars. Remember when they first came out? I mean, and now they've really become come back in their own as far as collector cars are going up in value. The challenge is finding one that's not all rusted away because they weren't really built with the best steel and so forth. I have a firsthand example of that. The floorboard's rusted out in that car. Oh, gosh. So my dad and I, we didn't have any money and we didn't know. So my dad said, well, we'll figure out how to fix these. And he's helping me. And he goes, go in the kitchen, get a couple of your mom's cookie sheets. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so we riveted in cookie sheets and glassed over them. And I'm like, well, what are we going to tell mom? Because we're not going to say anything. Yeah. Christmas rolls around to make Christmas cookies. And she's like, where are my cookie sheets? My dad's like, floorboard of Brian's car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll have to warm up the engine and cook the cook the cookies on the, the floorboard of the of the Z. That's hilarious. Well, as you know, as a listener here, I always crawl into my listener or my guest head a little bit. Uh, what kind of car would you be if you were manifest as a vehicle? And of course, why? Well, I think we talked about it already. Okay. 250 Luso. Ah, well, why the Luso? I mean, I don't know why I would say why. A beautiful car, very cool car. I mean, the classic Ferrari from back in the day. But what is it about a Luso that tugs on your heartstrings and kind of ties your personality and persona into this uh, beautiful Ferrari? It's just such a beautiful, swoopy car. The greenhouse on that car is gorgeous. Just the proportions and the haunches, you know, on wire wheels. Certainly has to be a dark color for me, like black, tan interior. And I can just kind of see myself whisking myself down to the Italian Riviera, listening to (laughs) Frank Sinatra, right? Smoking a cigar in a Lusa. Maybe I was born too late, but that's that's kind of like my, oh my God, that's what I would, that's, that's the car for me. That's you. All right. Very cool. Well, we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off some questions, get some quick answers, quick blips of that Luso throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits, Brian, that you believe has contributed to your many successes? Focus. Mm. I write a list at the end of every work day or personal day. There's it has two columns on what I need to accomplish the next day and just I'm very task oriented and just check those things off yeah. and you have to be focused. Focus was my year of 2020. I pick a word every year. In 2020, I had picked focus and I'm glad I did. I oh. needed it to get through. So what's your word for 2021? I'll tell you, I, I, I'm leaning towards forward. Forward. Okay. I like that. Forward. Yeah, that works, especially with a new business, especially with cars, and especially with wanting to leave 2020 as far in the rearview mirror as we possibly can, hopefully uh, at the end of a dark tunnel somewhere where we never have to open it again. I sure hope so. If I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, and now this could be somebody who's passed or somebody who's alive, who would it be? And this one is as happy for me as it is sad, and since it would be a drink, uh it would be a Jim Beam bourbon with my dear, late, great friend, uh, Dan Weldon, that uh, he got some kid from Buffalo, New York into the victory lane in Indy 500 in 2005. He was a more than a client. He was just a great guy. I'm still friends with Suze and, and the boys. And if I could just sit with Danny and have another Jim Beam. You know, his name has come up several times, and especially among racers and people who work in the industry, of such a spectacular human being and a wonderful man. So, yeah, we lost a great one, uh, but it's a wonderful thought. That's absolutely for sure. So, Dan Weldon, yeah, may he rest in peace. Now, when it comes to automotive advice, what's the best advice someone else has offered to you when it comes to cars? Now, this could be collector cars or caring for cars or anything about cars. Well, it, it was Bob Aiken. Oh, okay. So I was at Watkins Glen watching Bobby Jr. race in Firehawk, right? And I'm, oh, I need to be in racing. How do I get in racing? And Bob looked at me and it's like, you work hard, you save a lot of money, and then you go racing. <laughs> yeah. Which is what I did. That's how I got into vintage racing. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, vintage racing is fun. What he didn't he he didn't include was you're going to be spending a lot of money. <laughs> That's exactly. what he forgot to tell you. So exactly. Yeah. Now, when it comes to resources, there's so many great resources these days. You mentioned that great app early in our talk. Is there another resource you'd like to share? See, you know, here at Foreign Cars Charlotte, we have a wonderful uh, partnership with Haggerty as well. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the Haggerty valuation tool. And there are so many great, I keep one on my desk. I use the online version. Uh, there's a lot of great resources. There. And there's a lot of great specialty web apps, whether you're diving into Corvettes or Porsches or all those things. But Haggerty has really been a great overall resource for for us here. And it's they're just such a wonderful company. Great people. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to books, I'm going to mention the two books that you're involved in, Barn Find Road Trips, and then, of course, Barn Find Road Trip Route 66. These are two books that you did with our mutual friend, Tom Cotter, and the great photographer and mutual friend, Michael Allen Ross. I mean, those two characters. I didn't realize until I started digging a little deeper that you're involved in this tremendous journey that these guys took so uh yes two great books i'll make sure they're still available and i'll make sure i put links to those is there another book you'd like to share you know it, there's a couple of them out there that have kind of caught my you know attention and stick in my mind but there was a little a book called the little red sales book and i got it way way back in my career and there's one in my desk drawer and it's just about you know being positive and successful selling techniques really so, the Little Red Book of Sales. So I've not heard of the Little Red Sales book. Tell me a little more about this book. So it's, uh, I mean, you can get an audio book version. It's actually the, the, the title is The Little Red Book of Selling. I just looked it up really quick. So uh, it, sits in my, it sits in my desk. I should download it so I can listen to it again. It's just one of those things that when I was you know, starting out, you're, a lot of, you're kind of unsure of yourself and you can oversell or undersell or people will, people, you have to let people buy. I've had a lot of salespeople on the show. And one of the things that many of them have repeatedly told me is let the customer sell himself. And when it comes to collectible cars and high-end sports cars, these aren't things we need. These are things we want. Yes. And you're never going to sell a car, a collectible car, a sports car to a guy who doesn't want that one. I don't care how good you are. So you need to really ask what I've heard. Ask them great questions of why they want that car, what they find so intriguing about it, and how could they envision themselves in that car enjoying it. It's the proverbial, what do we got to do to put this car in your garage today? You know, that old thing. But it really is the same kind of concept, right? Yeah, exactly. And the question I ask just about everybody is, have you had one or what What makes this car special to you? And a gentleman just the other week, hopefully his wife won't hear this podcast, bought a 66 Sunbeam Alpine, not a tiger, because when they were residents in medical school, she had to give hers up. Oh, wow. So, and when he told me the story, I'm like, why a Sunbeam Alpine? And he told me that story. And I'm like, and at that point in time, I'm the car's going to sell, right? It's yeah. Now. End of where can I, where can I send the paperwork? Exactly. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's just asking those great questions. Very cool. All right, Brian, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a collector car today. Any car in the world, doesn't matter where it is. I'm going to park it in your garage but as a regular listener you know there's some rules to this game that make it uh, maybe a little challenging it's the only collector car you can have i want you to drive it so it's got to tick a lot of boxes and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with so if you pick an expensive one you're stuck with it what am i gonna buy today brian well you know i talked about the luso yeah i'm kind of thinking we might head down that path maybe well since i have to drive it every day 
Well, you, you don't have to, but you, you might want to. <laughs> it's my only car. No, no. This is your only collector car. Oh, collector car. Yeah, Ooh. you can have a daily driver. Don't worry about that. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to stick with what I, my, my first choice was, even though I thought I had to daily drive it, which means it's a Porsche, which means it's a 73 RS. Oh, the holy grail, the long hoods. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And a touring, I want because I want a little comfort. Touring. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure I get that one right. Yeah, because uh, the other one is a little bit harsher. Well- Nice choice. I mean, that's just, yeah, what everybody always wanted. So uh, I'll, I'll have some fun searching that out for you. Do you have a color choice? Um, something in blue. Blue. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, maybe the, uh, you know, like some of those came in that beautiful golf blue. Do you like the light yeah. blue or do you want something dark? Golf blue, Mexico blue. Yeah. It'd all be good. Okay. Yeah, it'd all be good. You're not too picky. I appreciate that. It makes my search a little bit easier. Brian, you've taken me on a fun ride today. This has been great. Likewise. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. You know, I also want to do a shout out here to our mutual friend that connected us, Cindy Sisson. I call her the super connector from GS Events. Uh, she got us together today. So, Cindy, thank you very, very much. Before I let you go, could you share one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the roadway in that 73 Carrera RS? <laughs> there you go. Uh, I am going to uh, fall right in line with uh, my hero, which where we started off with Mario. If you have a passion for it, just do it. Yeah. Life's too short not to. You know what? Absolutely. And we've learned that this year. Yeah, absolutely. What's the best way people can learn more about Foreign Cars Charlotte? Visit our website which is Foreign Cars uh, Charlotte. We also were on Facebook and we have on Facebook and Instagram Foreign Cars Classics. And that's where you'll find the specialty vehicles and the really fun stuff. Yeah, well, everything's fun there. Make sure you follow him on all these medias. I'll put all the links on his show notes page. So just go to carsyow.com, type in Brian Barr, B-A-R-R, and you'll find everything there. Brian, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise. I'm so happy we were able to connect here on Cars Yeah. Happy New Year. We're into 2021. Things are looking good until you and I talk again and I see you race by in that RS. I'm going to be so jealous. I'll see you down the road. But you could be in a train too. You never know. You never know. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark. <laughs> Take care, my friend. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.